long have had I, I go to a place and I play Tom Waits or Nick Cave and people go what the fuck is this this is dog shit turn this off and I'm like am I not allowed to do the same thing when I have to fucking hear Taylor Swift you know what I mean that's like, fair that's fair like I have to deal with this every day because I like music that's actually good uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> whereas you guys are listening to trash and you've never heard anything good so you don't know what it sounds like and you hear fucking uh Hellbroke Loose by Tom Waits and you're like what the fuck I hate this this makes me angry and it's like yeah but you made me listen to 21 Pilots so you can go fuck off oh fuck <laughs> 21 Pilots I it like is- ABBA Pantera and fucking Dr. Dre end of list I love Abba. Abba's hey, Abba fucking rules. Abba slaps, dude. More like Abba, slapper. Yeah, no, I, I genuinely love Abba. I think Abba's Me and Chris were listening to Abba the other night. We were. Yeah, yeah. same. One of the best songs that uh, Abba's done, I feel, is uh, Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Oh, yeah. We heard that. Yeah. Right after I said the best Abba songs are SOS in the first 30 seconds of Take a Chance on Me, and then he was like, nah, 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 nah. No. And then he put on Gimme, 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 and I was like, this song's great. It's good. What about that song is, too? I really like Fernando. Fernando's, Fernando's about, great. About the Mexican Revolution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is weird that they're now we've got to add all so this to the podcast now that you connected it, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all this is staying in. <laughs> yeah. No, you're going to have to cut most of this. Welcome first. to the AbbaCast. Liz, walk down to the aisle uh, to Abba. To, to a, a symphonic version of Take a Chance on Me. Ah, nice. We walked nice. away from, like, our walk away. Was Nick yeah. Cave "Get Ready for Love"? Nice. Yeah, I specifically requested that. I want here. Get ready for love. You know, you heard it. It's a yeah. great song. Nice. I was yeah. there, Badass. and it rocks. Tyler's always getting my shit for playing like sad bastard music, but I'm like, there's Nick Cave that rocks. There's a lot. There's full. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just. I'm not playing it because I'm drunk and sad. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's there. It's just you don't ever play it because you're like fucking going back to dairy. That is a deep cut Chris and Tyler friendship reference Hey everybody We are the History Boys Thank you for listening I am Christopher Whedon History Boy And he is once again Virtually sitting next to uh, history boy and uh, introspective man Tyler Armentrap <laughs> really going back to Gary over there at your yep. place. Uh, I am uh, Zach Mech. I am uh, also a history boy. Yeah, that's it for now. I can't think of anything. <laughs> He's extra-extrospective. Extra-spective. I'm extra-spective. Thank you. I spec way too much. I respect <laughs> way too much. And I am Jerry Nash. History boy, thank you so much for joining us this week. Jerry, look at shirt. I know. Where'd you get uh, I that? Who for got, me? I wonder who got that for me. He's wearing a Destot shirt. It's a band from uh, the Netherlands. I met them in Budapest. They're great. His shirt says "Witch Doctor." What are we talking about today, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> today we are talking about Pedro Albizu Campos. Oh, Campos. oh sick dick. Hero of Puerto Rico. There is a good reason. Well, there's a lot of people in America, mainland America, that would not know his name. There's a good reason for that. Well, it doesn't help that uh, Enrique Iglesias, or Ricky Martin and uh, Jennifer Lopez uh, overshadowed him. Yeah. That's incredibly fucked up, what you just said. It's a statement on our culture, unfortunately. I'm going to assume it's on point. I mean, 
Zach, Zach is the secretary of Latin affairs for the history boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just like so Tyler's anything he secret- says, I smile and nod and I say, that sounds, sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Just sounds like Tyler's the secretary of Aryan affairs. Uh, Zach, <laughs> uh, were you, were you familiar with Pedro Abizo Campos before, before this episode? No, and I mean, I lived in Puerto Rico from uh, 1998 to uh, 2003? Oh, how about that? Three, I believe, yeah. That's incredibly Um, fucked up that you never learned this. Yeah, man, no. uh, What I learned in school was... uh, the, the, the stupid song, La Nina, La Pinta, La Santa Maria, oh, yeah, 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 Pista yeah, yeah. for Colón. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, that's, like, all the knowledge that I have of Puerto well, Rico. Well, sh- the sheer fact that you did anything in Spanish in a Puerto Rican school uh, shows how far we've come. I mean, that was on a, on a military base, though. I also, uh, I also like that that was essentially about Christopher Columbus, and they, I assume, it, dropped the verse... About him slaughtering natives. Yeah, pretty oh, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah you, this is what you, we're you, talking about today, folks. Uh, nothing really. I, I would love to tell you good things happen in this story, but this is a hard story to tell. It really is. This, this is a lot of bad shit happens in this story. Is what Put I'm on your tell bummer you. caps. And that's folks. and that's why we don't know about it is because it really makes the United States boys at the top look real bad. Yeah, that's weird how those stories yeah. tend to not uh, be that well-known. Well, that's why we're here, guys. We're here <laughs> to bum people out, make them <laughs> introspective, really, you know... Take them back to dairy. Take them back to dairy. If, if you guys want, uh, whenever we get way too too sad here, I can spit out a, a, a fun, stupid thing that would happen to me when I was living in Puerto Rico. Uh, that sounds great. We I'm should probably do that because that. there's going to be a lot of real fucked up Start shit writing them down, Zach. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Is our, this is our main source. Uh, we have a few, but our main source is a book which I think should be required reading in all public schools in the country. It's a book called The War Against All Puerto Ricans. Uh, it's written by Nelson A. Dennis. I've also heard it pronounced Denny, but in the interviews that I've seen him in, he doesn't correct anybody. So I'm going to go with Dennis because I don't really know for sure. He could but, be really polite. Yeah, but but this book is is absolutely fantastic. He he I mean, this this guy went through FBI files that were declassified. He went through I mean, this is all from government files that he is sourcing his book from, and and he w- uh, came under a lot of fire when he first published this book because there was a lot of people that were like, that's not true, that can't be true. And it's like, well, if you look at his sources, it's hard to argue with. Are we talking about Saucerman, Jerry? If you're talking about going through <laughs> FBI files, I'm only thinking about X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, yes, I highly recommend that you read uh, The War Against All Puerto Ricans. It is a fantastic book. No saucerman, um, I take it. No, 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 okay, no. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, but we yes, we were talking about uh, Pedro Albizu Campos. A hero to some and a terrorist to others. The leader of the Nationalist Party of Puerto Rico was one of the strongest voices for Puerto Rican independence from the United States the early 20th century. He was, by all accounts, a brilliant man who spoke six languages fluently. He gave rousing speeches, urging the Puerto Rican people to take back their cultural roots, including their own flag 
and national anthem, which had been taken from them, we'll get into that later, uh, from their colonizers that had deemed these cultural roots, their own flag and national anthem and their own language, they deemed them illegal. Oof. Seriously? <laughs> Seriously. It's rude. That's fucked up, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, especially because whenever I think culture, I always think of food. You got and to. And my God, Puerto Rican cuisine, it's bellissimo. It's <laughs> so good. I but like how more you too. punctuated that with <laughs> Italian. I know, right? <laughs> uh, uh, there, there's more to their, you know, their culture other than food, though. Sure, like but <laughs> like, yes, the the Bacardi. Uh, I actually never mind. I'm gonna save that story for later. Okay, okay. Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so a little bit of backstory here. Since Christopher Columbus landed there in 1493, Puerto Rico has pretty much always been under the thumb of another colonial country. The native Taino people uh, were used as slaves in the mines, and their population was decimated due to disease that they had no natural immunities from. You can look at numbers, people disagree on numbers, of course, till this day, but it's staggering. Yeah. I want to I want to meet the the dickhead scholar who's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. Pump the brakes. Not that many of them died from diseases that were brought in by <laughs> right, colonizers." Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Lucky makes it better. He wasn't yeah. even there. <laughs> well, and honestly, it's probably the same dude that's like against the book War Against All Puerto Ricans being like, "Ah, listen. You know, oh, it I, wasn't I love that, that crazy." Yeah. People like, would go up just above and beyond to like disprove things to justify their own racism. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, of course. It's yeah. like saying uh, uh, technically more white people are shot by the police. Yes, right? Right. <laughs> there are way more white people. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's like, uh, do the fucking math, assholes. Yeah. But math is hard. Yes. Mm, yeah, you're right. It's even harder when you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> So the Taino called uh, their island Borikin. Borikin. That's Borikin. Um, Borikin. You yeah. got. You, uh, Susie's been helping me with some of these. Yeah. Uh, Borikin. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, Borikin. But the Spanish, at least at first, they called uh, where San Juan is now. They called it Puerto Rico, which just means rich coast. Ah. And they and it used to just be where San Juan is now, but right. it later became the whole island. Well, and that explains why uh, they, they kept that name later on, is because the coasts of that country were making uh, the white colonizers really, really rich. And we'll get into oh, that yes. a little bit later. Yeah, and it was a, it was a major stop-off point for the slave trade as well. Huh. Yep. Major, major stop point. Between, basically between Spain, like, you know, they'd, they'd take slaves from Africa to Spain, and then from Spain, and then they would go out all over the place, but they would go to Puerto Rico and then to America. Mm -hmm. And right. it, was, it was this flow. It was this, they called it, you know, the, the circle. You know, the Coriolis and, effect. No, that's different. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Something happens in our atmosphere. Uh, but yeah, it, it was this circular trade that was going on built with slave labor. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was named San Juan after John the Baptist, you know. Naturally. It, yeah, right, right, Catholic sort of thing. Gotta love those Catholics. Yeah. So Ponce de Leon was the first colonial governor of Puerto Rico, 
and he's kind of a story for another day. You know, one day we'll do Ponce de Leon. Uh, we're not going to touch him today. But despite some independence movements for over 400 years, that's 1493 to 1898, Puerto Rico remained as a colony under the Spanish crown. Yep, that's about right. Uh, I do remember uh, learning about that in school, come yes. to think of it. In a story for a different day, again, the Spanish-American War broke out, and when the United States won, the Philippines, Guam, and Puerto Rico that had previously belonged to the Spanish were ceded to the United States in the 1898 Treaty of Paris. There was a bunch of treaties of Paris, but this is the one that the United States signed. Well, because it's the one that gave them all those islands. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. They're like, you guys, you guys come with us now. And they're like, does that mean that we get to be states? No, no, no. Does it mean we get yeah. we get a vote? No. 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 Does it does mean it, that we get taxed? Oh, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> does it does it mean we get independence? It's like, yeah. oh, a couple of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> like like the Philippines. You might get concentration camps. Oh uh, yeah. 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 If you uh, play your uh, cards that's, right. That's another story for a different day. In the Philippines, yes, there were American concentration camps there. Story for a different day. Total different thing. But they planned on having the Philippines one day becoming independent, which is not so with Guam and, and Puerto Rico. And they kind of, like, tried to keep it from them, even though it's, like, kind of hard to hide. Right. <laughs> but the United States, at, at, at the time, had the same social Darwinist, white supremacist feeling of manifest destiny over the Caribbean islands and any islands in the Pacific, especially considering that they would need ports on either side of the Panama Canal that was in the process of being built. And of course, we we acquired it in 1904 and helped build it and controlled it for a long time until we gave it back to the Panamanian people um, in the Carter administration. So the prevailing thought of Manifest Destiny at the time was that the Anglo-Saxon sensibility of society was superior to all others. So they had a moral authority to do this uh, for the betterment of native peoples. That's, that's, what they, that's what they thought, that we are bringing them our superior society and we the will bestow upon them. Exactly. Yeah. White man's white, burden. Yeah. That's exactly what white it is. White man's burden, check. Right. Yeah. Nothing different from Manifest Destiny. It's the same thing. In the early years, Puerto Rico was governed by military governors appointed by the American president. Even even going so far as to change the spelling to Puerto Rico, like <laughs> phonetically, P-O-R-T-O-R-I-C-O, because oh. they couldn't pronounce Puerto, you know, I, I can't really do it, but Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. There oh, you know, go. You know, there fellas, you uh, I don't know, when I say Puerto Rico, I get a little bit too uh, passion up. and mm -hmm. a little bit too caliente, I'm my... I don't know. I, I think Puerto Rico is going to be a little bit easier on the old palate and uh, on the old heartburn. That's yeah, you you don't want to see me with the passion. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to see me with the passion. I'll be flipping tables in no time. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you get the passion during this episode. Because if this, <sighs> if this story does not piss you off, there is something severely wrong with you. Oh, I'm already pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, briefly in... 1914, there had been an independence movement, but Congress rejected it as unconstitutional based off the Foraker Act 
which was the very act that stated that Puerto Rico belonged to the U.S. So when they were like, we want to be independent, and they're like, that's unconstitutional because you belong to us. And they were yeah. like, well, well, duh. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Read the papers, guys. Yeah, yeah. It says right here, you guys are subservient to us and have no rights. Come on. <laughs> I, I brought this up a lot on the show, but this is another example of like... Uh, you know, uh, people in an authoritarian position being like, sorry, those were the rules. Like, yeah. we just enforce make, them. Yeah. Oh, so we don't make exactly. the rules. I don't make we the rules. Have. I just write them down and enforce them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to get you in on it, but you're not invited. And yeah, that's also like, in the rules that I just wrote. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, it's unconstitutional to give you guys any rights whatsoever. Yeah. Our hands are tied. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump around a little bit here, but just stick with me. Basically, this is just kind of the world that Pedro Albizu Campos is growing up in and what he kind of has to deal with inside of his own mind growing up around all this stuff. So in 1917, three months before the United States entered World War I, President Woodrow Wilson, who was a card-carrying proud member of the KKK, by the way, signed the Jones-Shafroth Act, which is commonly known as the Jones Act, which gave Puerto Ricans American citizenship. And, right before the war, 20,000 Puerto Ricans were drafted to serve <laughs> in the war to serve in segregated regiments. What a fucking asshole. Hi, yeah. I'm, pres I'm President Woodrow Wilson. I got good news and bad news. What would he's you like, like first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, like, right. he, he comes up to him and he's like, listen, guys. You're citizens. Do you want to be Americans? Right? Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, you are. Oh, uh, you're drafted. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. I, well, a lot of people signed up, too. Uh, in, in fact, over 236,000 Puerto Ricans served in the war, including Pedro Albizu Campos. We'll, we'll kind of get to that later. What, but uh, In World War One. In World War One, uh, in what was, segregated. What would have been the population at the time? That's a good question. That's going to be a pretty big chunk of Puerto Ricans. Right, yeah. The, the, the fact that 20,000 were drafted should tell you enough right there. Mm. Yeah. 20,000 right. drafted. Did not sign up. Drafted. Conscripted, Conscripted is the same term. It means right. the same thing. Uh, War slaves. Yeah. Military exactly. slavery. Yes, exactly. But now citizens. But citizens. But you don't Dude. get a vote. You yeah. don't get a vote for president. So... Who the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Look, it, it was it was a regular old uh, Starship Troopers affair. Right. What's the, what's the difference between a civilian and a citizen? Right, right. In, in Puerto Rico, there is no difference. <laughs> exactly. Not for them. Puerto Rico was given a legislature that, that was voted on by Puerto Ricans. It was kind of like a state le legislature. You know, it was like governing bodies that governed the inner workings of Puerto Rico. But they still answered to the United States and the American president, which they could not vote and still to this day cannot vote on the American president. They do have one U.S. Senate seat, but that person cannot vote in the Senate. Instead, all they can do is basically every time something bad happens, they plead with the United States to do something. Mm. So but, every um, time they need relief effort after like a hurricane or something. So every year is what you're saying. Pretty much. Because yep. hurricane season comes every fucking year. Exactly. <laughs> they have to 
basically they, they basically have to grovel to the United States. So let me ask you something. And right? ask them for money. Excuse me. Do they pay taxes to the United States? Yes. Huh. More so than most people. What I I, I just I've this vague memory of uh, something about that being unconstitutional, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Maybe I'm I wrong. know. I know. If this doesn't make you mad, there is something like wrong with you. They use the Constitution as an example to fuck them. Yeah. But then when the, the Constitution time. should we're gonna see support it again. them, we're we're gonna see it again here. I mean, if you're if you were paying taxes to the United States of America, the Constitution should be supporting you. Yeah. And I'm talking the about taxation. Does not. It does not. No taxation without representation is what I'm talking about. The, the U.S. Constitution that. is an optical illusion that changes depending on where you're standing. It can either be a shield, a sword, or a ball gag. Exactly. And, Here, yeah. it's a ball gag. And, and, and we'll see later, not in this episode, but the next episode, it quite literally is a ball gag. Quite yeah. literally. They even called it a gag. Wow. So we'll, 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 we'll see that in the next episode from here. Well, it's like uh, First Amendment really only applies if you're a white Christian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> certainly. So one of the first things the United States did was to declare the Puerto Rican currency, the Puerto Rican peso, invalid. Then they uh, declared that all Puerto Rican cash issued before the American occupation to be turned in for destruction in, in exchange for the American dollar. So was it just one American dollar for all their cash? Oh, it was not. Okay. <laughs> of it's almost like course. you knew the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the Puerto Rican currency was only valued at 40 cents on the dollar. Now, so I have $100. Yeah. Now you have I have $40. $40. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's fucked up, isn't it? I have a million dollars. Now I have four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, America's pissing me off so much. Please tell me it doesn't get worse than this. This is this is much worse. No, no, no. It gets much worse. I know. It gets much worse. People lost nearly everything. Nearly everything they had, which was really nothing, let's let's be honest. But it caused what what it did is it caused these massive foreclosures all over the island. And people couldn't pay, so they had to foreclose. And these private companies in the United States were able to buy up all this arable land for cheap on 40 cents on the dollar. <laughs> With a 40% discount. Think about that, a 40% so, discount for land. They used land. it in their favor in this case. Yeah. Fucking yeah. dickheads. Actually, yeah. uh, wouldn't it's, that be a 60% discount? Be a 60%, yeah. It would be, yes, yeah, sorry. Sorry, it would be a 60% discount. Exactly. Remember, math is hard. Math this is, 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 I'm not one of the smart people you talked about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do basic math. I can do this. I can I can read books and study all day long, I can't but I can't books, do basic so. math. <laughs> Look, uh, I, I hate to be that guy, but uh, that's just investments, man. I know. Yeah. I know it is. But that that's capitalism run amok is what, is yes, what we're talking and, about. Ugh. It gets worse. The primary banks that foreclosed and then financed this land grab were the American Colonial Bank, the House of Morgan, which still exists, J.P. Mm -hmm. Morgan Chase, yes. and the Riggs National Bank in Washington, D.C. Now, this is one I want you to remember, the Riggs National Bank. This is a place where 
all of these ex-presidents, a bunch of them used to, used to, used to bank. It's not that far from the White House. And, I mean, it's a who's who. It, you know, Lincoln, Grant, all of these people banked at Riggs National Bank. They're, they're, the, they're the bank that, that rigs the economic system to benefit, uh, you know, Rich wealthy people. wealthy white landowners in America. Exactly. What's, what's in the name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say was, uh, Jerry, were they called that because they rigged the American economic system? <laughs> they did, but but that name, Riggs, I want you to remember that name. It's going to come Happy up. It's going to be hard to forget. <laughs> it's actually where the word rig comes from. Oh, That's, yeah. I made that That's up. But <laughs> might as well. Who gives a shit? Don't listen to what I say on this podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we won't. So then the agricultural land that was used to produce food was then switched to a one cash crop economy. And what was that cash crop economy? Sugarcane. <laughs> you wish. No, sugarcane. Remember, remember when we talked about the great Boston molasses flood? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They got all their sugar cane, at least most of it, from, from Puerto here. Rico. From here. Sounds about right. Because well, thank, of this. Th- thank God sugar's never done anything bad. Sweet <laughs> and delicious. And, and you know. You make bullets out of it. Yeah. Well, and thank God that the people in charge of all of this sugar and, and what we do with the sugar are responsible people. They're not just looking out to make a dime off of everybody <laughs> that, that is buying or selling or working in any of it. Because they clearly didn't care about Boston, and they clearly don't care about Puerto Rico. I'm just craving sugarcane now. I remember eating that shit as a kid. <laughs> I bet, yeah. But Jerry, delicious. How was the stock market doing? Oh, booming, brother! <laughs> it was booming. That's all that matters. <laughs> For right? the top one percent, it was great. Oh. It was great. Oh, the rich are doing great, and the poor are not. Therefore, the economy's doing really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just I, like today. Just like today. I love it when the markets are up. Oh, the, the markets, markets are up for, for, for the rich. I love when for rich people service. are making more money, and that's yeah. the justification you can use for saying the economy is doing well. Oh, yeah. No, our, our president's done well on making the economy good for rich people and no one else. Anyway. <laughs> that's what I'm alluding to, for sure. Yeah. This made Puerto Rico dependent on the whims of the United States economy, despite their territorial status that denied their right to vote in mainland American affairs. Now again, and again, throughout Puerto Rican history, tax breaks and incentives were given to American companies who opened up shop in Puerto Rico. It, it was cheap labor and low overhead. That's what it yep. was. Didn't have to pay people the minimum wage because the minimum wage doesn't exist there. It's not a state. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus fucking, every sentence you say makes me want to kick a table over. Yeah, dude, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse, man. We're, we haven't even touched it yet. Hey, man, that's just capitalism, and that's just NAFTA. That's yeah, NAFTA, man. baby. It's not even <laughs> NAFTA. This has nothing to do with NAFTA. It's pre-NAFTA NAFTA. <laughs> not even NAFTA. This is this is an American territory. This is America we're talking about. This history is American history. Yeah. Fair enough. So not surprisingly, because of this way of doing business... Famine, unemployment, and poverty spiked. Because even if you did have a job in one of these industrial hubs of Puerto Rico, because, you know, they encourage you to move to the city and and get a job in one of the factories or something, 
you couldn't afford to feed your family with the slave wages you earned on top of the fact that all the goods shipped into Puerto Rico were inherently more expensive because nothing was produced locally. So everything was 10 to 15% more expensive than in mainland America. This is still true today. Jesus. What if you want sugar? <laughs> Nobody get... wants fucking sugar, dude. They want food. <laughs> also, you gotta get the sugar imported from America because that's just the way things work. Well, well technically, that has to go to America, so you gotta buy it back. Well, yeah. you know that's what? That's probably true, not, isn't it? It's not probably. far from the truth. To this day, because of the Jones Act, basically what happens is that. The, the Jones Act basically says, if you read it just on the surface, it doesn't seem very nefarious, but until you consider the consequences of what it means, that's when you see the holes and, and flaws in the system that sure. people have absolutely taken advantage of. And what it is, is that when World War One hit, uh, we were unprepared with our supply lines going across the ocean. So we wanted a, a law in place that basically guaranteed that we would always have a merchant marine that would carry supplies in American ships crewed by American crews to take them from, you know, point A to point B for American trade. Because Puerto Rico's not a state, it's a... It's Territory? A, it, well, it's a commonwealth now. It's a commonwealth, the same yeah. Rules, the same rules still apply. We'll get to when they actually change the word to commonwealth. Not that it makes a huge difference. But uh, anyway, for example, if, if a ship from Argentina uh, with oil were to show up in Puerto Rico, now all of Puerto Rico's energy is based off of oil. All of it is. In order to buy that, it's subject to tariffs and taxes and all these things that any foreign ship is subject to. So you can either buy it at that high premium or it has to go to Jacksonville, Florida first unloaded off of the Argentinian ship onto an American ship and shipped back to Puerto Rico <laughs> at a markup because it's it's more expensive to do so. So I would so ask, this is, is a modern, this is a modern thing, but I would ask, why don't those jobs that are in, the, these longshoremen jobs that are in Jacksonville, Florida, why don't those jobs exist in Puerto Rico to create some sort of industry and make it able for foreign ships to land and make cars less expensive. Because anything, anything is this way. This is why it's so expensive in Puerto Rico. If you're not a state, you're a reservation. Pretty much. Pretty much. What, what is, I mean, what is it about Puerto Rico that makes, other than the fact that we keep going, we could have made a state, we made Hawaii a state. Is it just that we could continuously m manipulate the economic system from Puerto Rico to make more money in America, and that's why yes. they aren't doing this? That's what I would say. That's what yeah, I would say. It's so I, fucked I, up. I would argue that as well. Um, it's pretty fucked. Unfortunately, because uh, because there are people who are complete fucking morons and always look at, at numbers and stuff like that, uh, people blame uh, the uh, amount of money spent on unemployment and welfare on Puerto Ricans for the most part. Because mm -hmm. they are American citizens, and it's well, it, 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 it's like how how the fuck else are you supposed to survive if you're not when you have all these to, things that are that it rigs the system well, against them? Well, uh, exactly. Well, first off, everything is everything is more expensive in Puerto Rico. Well, anyone that's, that's what ever I mean. visited anyone right. that's ever visited there will will tell you that. Second off, 
uh, the poverty rate in Puerto Rico is higher than Alabama today, yeah. which is the poorest state in the union. Yeah. So we're talking about a uh, more poverty. Um, one of the most, uh, one of the most poverty-stricken areas in the world is what, Puerto Rico. What drives me crazy is, is more, so much more expensive. There would be so much outrage if these things were happening within the actual the United States states. Yeah. Um, uh, and recently, for some reason, it's different here. Yeah. And I just I can't see any other fucking reason that your average American is suddenly okay with that outside of nationalism and racism. Racism. Yeah. Uh, well, they uh, also when I say nationalism, that's because they like Puerto Rico is not America because they don't no, know what the fuck they're they, talking they are, about. They are American citizens. They are. They are. Yeah. Well, that's my point. Uh, it's like. I imagine all these, uh, you know, Trump voters who were like, yeah, give them fucking paper towels are like, right, well, they're right. not Americans. It's like, no, they are Americans. Yeah. Yep. It, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a rigged system to, to keep, I, I think, to keep the cash cow that is Puerto Rico producing money for, for Wall Street and keep that going and nothing else. It's really in service to nothing or, or anyone else. It's just that. That's what it's about. You're right. I and the legal system theory. is in place to, to keep that going. All right, so we're going to do a quick palate cleanser with uh, <laughs> a baby Zach story time uh, on, on my time living on Puerto Rico because Good. obviously we're getting way too heated up oh, and man, we've Zach. just begun. Uh, oh, we've just begun. All right. Yeah, we've, we've, just, we've just begun. So, uh... You guys know that Bacardi's from Puerto Rico, right? Yeah, man. All right. Yeah. Uh, can, can you guys believe that uh, my dad thought that it would be appropriate to uh, take myself and my little sister to uh, the Bacardi uh, factory over there? He thought it was totally appropriate to do that and then go onto a catamaran where we're literally the only kids there and everything, <laughs> like everyone else was like, you know, spring breakers, and oh. that was the first time in my life that I saw a uh, re real life uh, Harry Bush from uh, <laughs> from some you know white college girl. You're nice. welcome, Zach's dad. Yeah, <laughs> from Zach's at the time. dad. Uh, I was about nine. I'm gonna oh, be nine. honest with you. If I was yeah. one of those people partying on that catamaran, I'd be pissed off that somebody brought their kids. Oh, yeah. yeah like, let me tell you how fucking awkward it was, because, like... I don't blame them. I'm like, just fuck it. Just party like they're not here. Like, because that's not my problem. You brought your <laughs> yeah. here. Ah, man. Like, it, it was the, the, very, very, uh, very awkward, uh, especially, like, seeing, like, through this lady's bathing suit that, like, literal <laughs> full bush hair is just, like, coming out. So it, it looked like, you know, like a, like a clown wig or something. <laughs> Uh, like either side of her crotch. So um, this, I mean, I'm, I'm judge. I mean, I know that you're a bit younger um, than than Chris and I, but I can I can probably by by the pubic formations, I can probably say that this is probably what the the mid '90s, mid to late '90s. Yes. Uh, yeah, so yeah, if yeah. I, yes. I was about if I was about nine, then it would have been uh, '99, uh, 2000. Yeah. yeah. This this was this was pre the uh, the smooth genital revolution of the early two thousands. <laughs> Fair enough. Hair's coming back. Fair though. No. Hair's coming back. Yeah. Hair's you coming know? back. Uh, it all it all comes back in cycles, just like music. Yeah. yeah. Ladies, do what you want. I don't give a yeah. shit. 
it's it's not just because you know you're married and and you know you've been married for almost two years and you got a kid on the way and you just really just need to you know let it let it go you know i don't have a kid on the way the rest of that is I think pretty he, I think he's talking about himself. Oh, oh. no, I'm just talk, I'm talking about in general. I'm talking about in general. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was talking about me. Okay, uh, I, I, I think that's a pretty good palate cleanser. That was cleanser. a good palate cleanser. That was cleanser. fun. I liked it. So now, yeah, so now, Cute now little continuing. little childhood story there for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Now, now continuing. In 1900, President William McKinley appointed the first civilian governor of Puerto Rico, a man named Charles Herbert Allen. Clearly Obviously not Puerto Rican. Oh, yeah, clearly oh, not. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <Alan>. <laughs> now, Allen not only ignored or denied any request for municipal, agricultural, or small business loans, but he also redirected the insular budget to no-bid contracts for U.S. businessmen, railroad subsidies for U.S.-owned sugar plantations, and high salaries for U.S. bureaucrats in the islands government. Sounds about white. I mean, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So nearly all of the government jobs went to U.S. expats. And although he only served for a little over a year, his, he he did this soil testing campaign and uh, land speculation campaign that, that it basically, what it did was like, it's like, oh, this test positive for me being able to buy up all this land at a cheap price and create a sugar <laughs> empire out of it. Based off what science? My own personal science. Well, yeah, his, his <laughs> soil study of, of Puerto Rico. Uh, it was an island-wide study. And uh, so he only served a little bit of time, and he, of course, returned to the United States, and it just so happened that he served as vice president of both the Morgan Trust Company and the Guarantee Trust uh, Trust Company of New York City. Huh. And with these connections, Charles Herbert Allen built the largest sugar syndicate in the world. Jerry, no- Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. You got to get the guys who know big business, who know the <laughs> banks, who know economics into government positions because God they're the only it. people who can really guide the economy the uh-huh. way that we need them to. Yeah. The, the syndicate was known as the American Sugar Refining Company. Uh, and, of course, he was president of the, uh, of the company, and he served on its board of directors for, for years and years and years. As you um, do. I read a statistic that uh, 40% of all land on Puerto Rico was bought by uh, foreign, uh, foreign to Puerto Rico uh, syndicates, uh, sugar syndicates, and 80% of that land was owned by the American Sugar Refining Company. They're shipping diabetes. It's, it's, shipping diabetes. At this point, we're talking about monopolies. This is a monopoly. Yeah. Is At what first, I was like, is Daniel Plainview? But now I'm oh, like, yeah. it's like if Daniel Plainview was also Willy like Wonka's? a drug baron. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> Charles Herbert Allen is very much a Daniel Plainview, for sure. So while Allen built the largest sugar syndicate in the world, his political appointees in Puerto Rico provided him with land grants, tax subsidies, water rights, railroad easements, foreclosure sales, and of course, favorable tariffs. Oh, what luck. But there's there's no money to go to the people of Puerto Rico. That would be... (laughs) No, no. 
Wait, you're trying to bankrupt the, com in the company? Yeah. What, you're gonna... In <laughs> are you gonna invest in infrastructure of this place? No. Infrastructure. Just make sure that sugar gets on my, uh... Gets on my boat, and that's it. Sure uh, you're gonna, to, uh, I thought you were thinking of, like, things that you put sugar on. Make sure that sugar gets on my toast. I don't... <laughs> <Or> yeah. <laughs> the trick no. is to promise fixing infrastructure and then don't at all. <laughs> yeah. Now, this sugar syndicate exists to this day. It's now called the Domino Sugar Company. Mm. Ah. Still there. Still there. Still a thing. I've seen Domino but, Sugar. It's still it's still very um, much a product that you can purchase. Yes, it is. And maybe you shouldn't. Switch to good old-fashioned mm. corn syrup. Well, High fructose. <laughs> well, it's still probably made Brought to you by Monsanto. Yeah. Thank you mm. to our sponsor, Monsanto. Yeah. Or still yeah. made by, with Domino Sugar. Uh, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Uh, seriously. Actually, there, there's a few, uh, story for a different day, but there's a few, like, products that Trader Joe's won't carry because of their connection to Banana Republics and things yeah. like So the educational system was also changed. English was now the official language of Puerto Rico, even though almost no one there spoke it. Well. Yep. Uh, teachers now had to teach their classes in English from English textbooks. The history books that were given were American history books about things that had happened in places far away by people that they had never heard about before. And these heroes from these history books that Puerto Ricans were told to worship, you know, like, this is our General Grant, he's a hero to you, and they're like, okay. Why? Yeah, Kay. like... Okay. Uh, you, he really no saved Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah. So did Christopher Columbus. Remember that one. Right, yeah, exactly. I remember the song. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to sing it, Zach? Again? No. Well, so, yeah, the, 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 the stupid song that uh, they, they taught us in school, uh, you know... Because brainwashing happens at, at a young age. Yes, I've heard you know, that. You yeah. just, you, you, Within you gotta, public school, it, it's it, it's it's like a it's like plants. Like you you gotta you gotta nurture it and brainwash it. You know when it's a seed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, <laughs> the uh, the brainwashing song that I learned uh, on Roosevelt Roads was, which by the way was the name of the naval base that I ah. went to school at. Uh, There's a reason go. for that too. Right. Oh. Anyway, go ahead. So yeah, the song. Uh, basically, it just went La Nina, La Pinta, La Santa Maria, Christopher Colon. Basically, fucking deifying Christopher Columbus, yes. even though he was a big old piece of shit. Yeah. But what about the what about the verses about McDonald's and Disney? Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the, those were the lost and Walmart's texts. and Walmart's and parking lots and yeah. bunch of big box stores that exist there now. Oh. <laughs> that, that actually reminds me, sorry, and then we'll get back on. Here, here's another little palate cleanser. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just a little short guy. I remember, because uh, I used to live in a town called Fajardo. I remember mm. before we left Fajardo that uh, Wendy's, and, oh, fucking Wendy's opened up. And let me <laughs> tell you guys something. Everyone got into their fucking church best and would go to fucking <laughs> Wendy's because they thought that it was some fancy-ass shit. Well, there's I, nothing and, else. Yeah. I mean, dude, it was gnarly. Like, <laughs> it was so crazy when, like, there's a McDonald's, like, literally right next door and no one gave a shit about it. Right. But that fucking Wendy's, we got them square patties. Well, yeah, it, okay. in, in Idaho, people do the same for Applebee's. <laughs> oh. What's the name of that chicken place that hates gay people? 
You know what I'm talking about? The what? What's that? The chicken place that hates gay people. What's the name of them? Oh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, yeah, Chick-fil-A. It's like when that Chick-fil-A opened in Bellevue and people were coming out in droves to support, uh, you know, hate, hatred of yeah. uh, homosexuals. Yeah. And oh, yeah. shitty chicken sandwiches. Popeye's chicken sandwich is 100 times better than the Chick-fil-A yeah. chicken sandwich. I tested it for science. It's not... You know, I, also, I did it as part when of when you give them money, they're not going to give that money to anti-gay uh, uh, organizations. Organizations, so. yes. Yeah, it's true. But I want to ask you guys, what do you think would happen if the shoe was on the other foot in America or anywhere in America? Somebody demanded that you speak, oh, oh, God forbid, Spanish, but a language that you do not speak, because it has now been deemed that you must speak it. Well, could in you my imagine the Bible? The Bible's in English, so that's what, <laughs> why we all have to speak it. Like that's great. That's You're great. not wrong. If God didn't want us to speak English, He wouldn't have written it in, in, in the Bible in English. So Jesus spoke just, English. Jerry. <laughs> I've read the Bible. It's in English. I've read every single page, the first page of Genesis. I almost got Don't to the first too. page of Genesis. Don't, don't forget, since we're talking about our favorite nonfiction pieces, um, <laughs> that uh, every uh, uh, sci-fi uh, fortune-telling stuff, uh, English is referred to as basic. Yeah. Ah. Basic is so. fuck. You're basic. Well, from the late 1910s through the 1920s, corrupt and clueless governors appointed by the president had full control over Puerto Rico at the expense of Puerto Rican cultural identity and the lives of Puerto Ricans themselves in exchange for the profits of Wall Street. This is still Wilson? Uh, it, it was all of them. Every yeah. single one from 1898 until... Yeah. I mean... I don't remember when Wilson now. stopped being president. Well, the hardest part for them was waiting until hurricane season to cackle maniacally so they could have lightning behind them. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah. Also, they would be like, hey... Our, our towns are, are fucked up, are shattered. Can we have yeah. some more money? And they'd be like, I thought hurricane season was over. Yeah. No. Well, remember, guys, <laughs> remember, guys, when we talked about, like, uh, fire departments, like, holding your house hostage and making you sell it on pennies on the dollar? Yeah, and while it was burning? That is how Puerto Rico works. When, whenever, whenever a hurricane sweeps through, it's basically held hostage by the American dollar... Uh, until they're desperate enough to pay whatever money they can to get themselves out of the hole they are in. Mm. Um, and we'll talk more about this in the next episode. Do as you well. ever yeah. uh, consider uh, that maybe the Puerto Ricans should have just got a job? Yeah. Well, there's actually an <laughs> operation in the next in the next one called Operation Bootstrap. That oh, totally gross. worked. I know, dude. I know. Nice. It's a little bit of foreshadowing. Jesus. It gets worse, guys. It gets worse. <laughs> I can't wait. I know. Okay, so, pressing on here. With no money, no crops, no land, Puerto Ricans sought work in the cities, at factories. When the Puerto Rican legislature enacts, they, they, <laughs> they tried to enact a minimum wage law, like the one in America, but the United States Supreme Court declared it unconstitutional. Constitutional. It's unconstitutional. I mean, obviously. We don't make no the rules. We don't make the rules. Yeah. We don't yeah. make the rules. That's every time you go, like, sorry, 
We have to continue fucking you. It's unconstitutional so, if we don't. Can't do it. Yeah, can't do it. Unconstitutional. It was also decreed that no other flag was to be flown over Puerto Rico other than the American flag. So there was that. Also too. sounds about right. Ugh. That'll get worse, by the way. That'll get worse later. It's so but, hard to fuck you when I'm not holding you down. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, finally getting to our subject for today. <laughs> Pedro Albizo Campos was born on September 12th, 1891, in Ponce, Puerto Rico, to Waliana, right? Uh, Juliana. Juliana. Juliana or, Campos. Yeah, Juliana Campos or, or Juana Campos, right? Yep. She was a domestic worker of African descent, and his father was Alejandro Albizo Romero. He was called the Biscayan amongst the place by people, but he was a Basque merchant. He Was, was white. he a bounding Basque? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, he was an asshole. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think you bound. mean a, a Basque hole. There you go. Mm, you're welcome. Yeah. And, and I'm his... not even becoming a dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, his mother died when he was just four years old. And his father actually disowned him because of how dark his skin was. Uh, that's, that's racist. It is racist. Just gonna, uh, that, there's no joke to make there. That's a racist yeah. thing to do. It is. Uh, and unfortunately, okay that's also very common in Puerto Rico. It is um, very common. It was yes. okay for him to sleep with somebody with dark ass skin, though. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Oh. Yeah. But you gotta punish the child. Right. He was right. like, when that baby comes out, if that baby isn't whiter than both of us, I'm getting rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, the odds are stacked against you, bro. Well, there's, <laughs> Every day I yeah, want no. you to think about albinoism while you're pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. Because otherwise. No, yeah, no accountability towards the man in this, of course. It's fucking so disgusting. Albi yeah. So Abiza was raised by his Aunt Rose. Uh, very poor. There's a story of a barefoot Albizo uh, seeing a procession of the American military government sort of like coming down the street and they're having like a rally or something and he sort of misunderstood what was going on and he shouted out at the wrong moment, Viva la Puerto Rico! And the crowd like turned around and he kept shouting it, he kept saying it and they're like, dude, knock it off, man, they're gonna get pissed off. And you're gonna get us in chased, trouble. <laughs> yeah, he was chased away by the... <laughs> The, like, military guys. That's like, gotta be an isolated incident. Nobody who's ever had a rally's been bad. Right, right. Yeah. Now, although uh, his schooling was in a language he, you know, was unfamiliar with, Albizo was an excellent uh, student. Uh, he graduated the top of his class at Ponce High School, uh, a school that, that taught the white elite of the island. So he was lucky enough to be one of the few that actually attended the school with the white elite kids and using the many scholarships that he won because again he was the smartest kid in his class he was accepted to the University of Vermont to study engineering and chemistry oh he's gonna go to Vermont and nice. learn all about being very liberal very very <laughs> liberal <laughs> uh, in 1913 he transferred to Harvard University to further his studies and although Albizo had experienced racism while studying in America, his hopes were high when he was made an American citizen in 1917. He, he was kind of on, on board with being a part of America. Wait, 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 wait. Harvard-educated 
perfect command of the English language, American yeah. citizen. Why yep. didn't he just become a writer on The Simpsons? <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, great. That's he's nineteen seventeen. Simpsons has been around a while, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might have been around then. Yeah. yeah, it's been around so long it bleeds backwards into time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, yeah, he was he was optimistic about Puerto Rico's future so much so that he actually enlisted. He volunteered in the United States Infantry. And he was conv- he was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the 375th Segregated Infantry Regiment, because of course he was black. You even gotta though, keep it segregated. Yeah, even though uh, officers were <laughs> nice. considered Oscar. to be white, he's he was clearly black. So hey, you, you're the best of the best of the best of the second best. <laughs> Right, that's the way they thought about it, yeah. yeah pretty much, yeah. Um, You're the best non-white. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what they had to say to him. Anyone in Puerto Rico that was recognizably black served in these segregated regiments, uh, such as this one. I mean, he served in the war, and after experiencing this racism in the military and the meat grinder of World War One, because you do you think that these reg- that these segregated regiments got to sit in the back the whole time? No. They were put on like, the front line you know as those, cannon fodder. You know those of course. front trenches? Get in yeah. there. That's him. That's him. He but saw there the are no grinder. trenches in front. So those, are, those are just two piles of bodies with a valley in between. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Get into that trench. Yeah. yeah. He, Get into so the trench witnessed. between those other black bodies. <laughs> Didn't feel good saying that, but it was a criticism of the way people thought at the uh, time. Yeah, I, I understand. Once he got out of it, you know, experiencing this this sort of racism that put him at the front, and you know, just the carnage of World War One, he was a completely changed man when he came out. He was totally disillusioned with the United States and their control over Puerto Rico, but he was honorably discharged in 1919 at the rank of first lieutenant. Not, not that bad. it meant. Not I, that I mean, th- there's possible. something. It's something, but. It's like getting your ass kicked and curbed, and then someone hands you a cheeseburger at the very end. Yeah, or gives you a medal. I mean, gives yeah. you a medal. I'd rather have a cheeseburger. <laughs> well, my question is, where's that burger from? You Probably know, Wendy's. If I'm hungry enough, I don't give a <laughs> shit. As long as it's not dicks. Don't speak ill uh, of dicks, Chris. Yeah, with their fucking yeah, sweet pickles, they're disgusting. It's a Seattle <laughs> institution, Chris. Stop it. <laughs> I love Seattle, except for one thing. The heroin, obviously. Bezos. Right. Oh, dude. <laughs> Returning to his studies at Harvard, he, he, he became involved in the independence movements throughout the world. He advocated for the Indian independence, and he straight up joined the cause of the Irish independence movement. Huh. He actually... So- yeah, he actually. This this goes with our 1916 uh, Easter Rising episode crossover uh, event. Yeah, ew, because ew, ew, he, ew. remember when I was telling you that like all of these like Irish leaders they came over to America at some point and rallied for like support amongst Americans for the Irish independence cause. Remember when I told you that? Yeah, yeah. There was the, there was a Puerto Rican guy in the very back of the room. Like I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. He actually worked. <laughs> well, he worked as a consultant on the constitution of the Irish Free State after the rebellion with Eamon de Valera. He was known as Dev. Uh, he, he's in that movie Michael Collins. 
He's the other guy. He worked with him as a consultant to write their constitution. It's like the real world cinematic universe. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. He it's knew like him. Yeah. Peter Parker was in Iron Man 2, technically. Yeah. 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 And yeah, Dev, he, he was born in America, so when he was captured by the British in 1916 during the Easter Rebellion, he wasn't executed. De Valera actually went to serve on two full, full terms as Ireland's president. So, no shit. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he knew, like, the right guy that, that like, survived the whole thing. Fucking I. In 1921, Albizu Campos became the first Puerto Rican to graduate from Harvard. Studying literature, philosophy, chemical engineering, and military science, while at the same time becoming fluent in English, Spanish, French, German, Portuguese, Italian, Jesus. Latin, and ancient Greek. Cool. Okay, we get it. You're smart. Like, <laughs> I he was like to fucking make me like feel like an to ass. To graduate from Harvard at this time as a uh, person of color, you have to be the smartest person in Harvard. In the school, and he was, and he was. He left Harvard without his law diploma, however, because of one professor who delayed the timing of his exit exams long enough to ensure that Albizo wouldn't be able to attend the graduation ceremony. I'm sure racism that one professor is a piece of shit. <laughs> he was racist. He was yeah, racist. racism has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Well, the thing, was, yeah, the, the thing was, yeah, the thing was is... If he had been able to take this test in question on time, he would have had the highest grade point average out of anyone in his class, and thus that would have made him the valedictorian <laughs> for that year. Fuck and, me. And and would have <laughs> he would have had to give a speech at the graduation. Of course, the valedictorian uh, speech, right? Right. No, he did it all in ancient Greek. Yeah. He would have. <laughs> to, to this professor, in his mind, that would have been, been it would have been shameful and embarrassing to have a Puerto Rican give a speech at the graduation of Harvard. Jesus. So that's and I'm why proud I'm gonna to be, be in America. I, I bet that why. gets worse. Where yeah. I bet that wasn't just that professor. They were like, dude. Like, a bunch of people were like, dude, yeah. you gotta delay this thing so this guy can't take the test. And he's like, dude, I know, I know, That I could know. be, that could be, that could be. I wouldn't be surprised if they're, like, a bunch of people are like, eh. Chris, we don't have me. time for conspiracy theories. There must have been, th there, there, there would have been, like, five people, maybe ten people in that conspiracy. And who knows how they'd be able to pull it off orchestrating such a big thing between... Five, maybe ten people. <laughs> yeah. now, are you telling me that there were five, maybe ten people who worked at Harvard who were racist at this time? Uh, probably less. <laughs> I mean, they made all this happen. Feel free to speculate all you want, man. <laughs> but it didn't matter, though. He still got his law diploma. He he passed the bar, and he, he got the diploma by mail. So it didn't really matter. Sounds ah. like you raised the bar. Oh, I bet that professor yeah. was pissed. Do we know that professor's name? I couldn't find it, and I looked pretty hard for it, and I could not find it. Because I'm going to uh, harass his kids, his descendants on Facebook. For sure. <laughs> his name was Whitey McWhiteson. <laughs> his name was Whitey McBush. Yeah. yeah. McBush. Uh, the Bushes were Yale. They're, they were Yale They're boys. Yale. They're Yale. Yeah. yeah. Which one was uh, Skull and Bones, guys. Come on. Oh, you're right. Yeah. 
So returning to Puerto Rico, Albizu Campos married a Peruvian biochemist that he had met at Harvard named Dr. Laura Manessis. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Zach? Laura Manessis. Okay. Yep. Okay. They would go on to have four children. Pedro, Laura, uh, Ro Rosa Emilia, and Hector. Right? That's how it's that, that, that's pronounced, right? Yeah, Hector. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hector. Uh, Hardly Hector. newer. Susie was the one that was nah. like, it was actually, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I uh, didn't think of it first. Tyler did, but I knew where he was going. So in 1924, Pedro Albizos Campos joined the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party and was elected vice president. In 1927, Albizo Campos traveled to Santo Domingo, Haiti, Cuba, Mexico, Panama, Peru, Venezuela, and all these other Latin American countries, uh, basically to seek support for Puerto Rican independence and their movement, kind of seeing what everyone was doing. So if you've been sort of paying attention, who would he have talked to in Mexico, do you think? Oh, I don't know. Um, uh Maybe, uh... Um, uh, uh, Pancho Villa? Good job. Yeah! I did it! <laughs> uh, he talked to, yeah, the, the, the most liberal of them. You know, the most, uh, independent-minded of them. And actually, Pancho is gonna pop up again in the next episode. Pancho well. yeah, cool. yeah, my dude! I miss He's it. gonna pop up. You, you can't keep a good revolutionary down. No, no, especially him. I mean, at the end they did, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> uh, on May 11th, 1930, Albizu Campos was elected president of the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party. And he also formed the first Women's Nationalist Committee as well. Cool. Which I thought was interesting. Yes. So in 1931, Albizu defended a nationalist named Luis Velasquez, who, during a political dispute had slapped the Chief Justice of, Puerto, of the Puerto Rico Supreme Court and actually won the case. And the judge's nice. name was em <laughs> Emilio Del Toro. Oh, nice. Uh, now, I love now, his work. I really like Hellboy. Well, <laughs> Benicio Del Toro? That was a joke. I know it's not the same person. He's, He's getting dated to him. Oh. Nice. Holy shit, He's really? Benicio Del Toro is related <laughs> to him and this very, like, well-to-do, famous family, the Del Toros. Yeah, he, he's Guillermo directly... Is No, uh, but, but uh, Benicio Del Toro is. He's, he's directly related to Emilio Del Toro. They don't Del Toro. all know each other, you racist. Yeah, you're right. I <laughs> assume they didn't. Sure, it was just like, they're all related. That's not what I said. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, saying it's one of those crazy things. I really like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. We all do. I just re I really hope that Benicio would refer to him as Emilio. <laughs> now that was an old SNL joke. That was. Yeah, I didn't get it. Now the story of the Puerto Rican independence movement is also the story of a barber shop. Oh. So hello, long. hello, 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 hello. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say just like Luke Cage. Uh, yeah. Salon Boricua was a barbershop run by a man named Jose Maldonado Roman. And he had, he had fought in the Cuban in independence previously, and he was considered an outlaw by the Spanish, and he had served time in prison several times. 
And Maldonado, uh, he was thought of as sort of a Puerto Rican Robin Hood. He straight up robbed people and redistributed wealth. Like, this guy was a badass. Cool. Like, yeah, he was kind of a Ned Kelly in that way. Like He was a Puerto Rican Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I would say Robin Hood, Ned Kelly, I would give Maldonado that that kind of a thing. He he straight up did this kind of stuff. Uh, he was a great person. And yeah, he, he ran this, this barber shop, which is which is incredible. Uh, and it was extremely involved in the Puerto Rican independence movement. And Salon Bariqua was a hub for like-minded independent individuals. Uh, so yeah, they would they would come there and they would meet and they would get their hair cut and whatnot. They made uh, the salon an actual salon. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The, yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about it more too because the uh, salon Bariqua is, is a big part of Puerto Rican history, believe it or not. On January seventeenth, nineteen thirty-two, however, Jose Maldonado Roman died. Oh. Of throat cancer. Oh. Why? Because he had been to the doctor's office. Oh, the doctor got him. Don't don't go to the doctor. Uh, yeah, all those cigars that the doctor oh, was no. just pushing down it's, his throat. It's worse than that, buddy. It's worse than that. Dr. Cornelius Packard Rhodes, or Dusty, Dusty. Rhodes, Ugh. was an American... Obviously. He was an American military doctor sent to Puerto Rico by the Rockefeller Foundation to combat the population's anemia problem. Oh, fuck. Wait a minute. I've, I have vaguely remember this story. I hope you would know this story. This is Jesus. a disgusting story. This is a disgusting story. Now, anemia at the time wasn't linked to an iron and vitamin deficiencies, but from poor diets. It was actually linked to laziness. <laughs> it was thought oh, that the Puerto Ricans suffering from anemia were just being lazy, and if they worked harder, for lower pay, mind you, they wouldn't have this problem. Jesus Christ. Now, Cornelius Rhodes had a severe distaste for Puerto Ricans. That's well, probably good yeah. that he gave him that job, then. Yeah. yeah. Now, now here's a letter that he wrote to one of his friends back in the States, or at least that's what he says. Quote, this is a quote, this is directly from his letter. I can get a damn fine job here and I'm tempted to take it. It would be ideal except for the Puerto Ricans. Ugh. They are beyond doubt the dirtiest, laziest, most degenerate and thievish race of men ever inhabiting this sphere. It makes you sick to inhabit the same island with them. They're even lower than Italians. What the island needs is not public health work, but a tidal wave or something to totally exterminate the population. It, then it might be livable. I have done my best to further the process of extermination by killing off eight and transplanting cancer into several more. Oh. The latter has not resulted in any fatalities so far. The matter of consideration for the patient's welfare plays no role here. In fact, all physicians take delight in the abuse and torture of the unfortunate subjects. End oh quote. my god. What the fuck? 
That is the grossest yeah. thing I've ever heard in my life. I feel yeah. gross hearing that. It's disgusting, and it gets worse. The guy was it a serial worse. killer. Like, yes, yes, he was. Look, he was a Nazi a, doctor. There's yeah, nothing Nazi different. There's nothing yeah. different between him and any Nazi doctor. He's Mangla, you know? Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Uh, Fuck, that's gross. Well, I mean... This isn't a uh, a palate cleanser, but unfortunately, when I was living there, Zach, I've I need heard. Something. I need it. I, all right, uh, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll give you something to, uh, after after what I'm about to say. But right. unfortunately, when I was living there, people still had that same fucking mentality, and that's that's insane. Like, re rehearing this shit, and mind you, this was in the mid to late '90s to early 2000s uh, when I was there. Still boggles my fucking mind. That's insane. Um, Absolutely but insane. Our, Being our racist right. to Sugar Ray? Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Tyler. <laughs> All right, so a little palate yeah, cleanser for you guys. Yeah, that was a fun story, uh, please, Zach. I need please, it right now. Please, I need, I need right. a palate cleanser. Uh, okay, so, so check it out. There's this beautiful, beautiful rainforest uh, over there called El Yunque. And El Yunque is just, like, fucking gorgeous, beautiful rainforest, like, cool fucking frogs and, and plant and wildlife and shit like that. Um, I remember going there for one of my uh, my school field trips and uh, at the very end, you know, you go over to like the fucking, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, like the, the, the merch shop or whatever. Um, so we decided to go over there and uh, I saw these kids like, you know, they were eating these lollipops and shit like that. Like, hey, that looks like a Jolly Rancher lollipop. Fucking badass. I'm gonna have one. I go and I grab one and I start going to town and because I'm an impatient motherfucker, I like to just chomp down shit. Is it the one, one with the mug in the middle? Three. Oh yeah, th there was a fucking yes. cockroach in the middle of yes. it, and uh, nice. I, it's good, I right? cried and cried and cried <laughs> because I had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> I'd try that. I'd try. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, th there you go. But <laughs> Elyonke, be beautiful place. That's a fun uh, story. I thought it was pretty fun. That is pretty good. Now, this letter that he wrote was never sent, though. But it was found by hospital staff because it was left open on his desk while he went to lunch one day. And they found it, and they were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you insane fucking psychopath, serial killer piece of shit. He yeah. was like, that wasn't for Twitter, that was for Parler. <laughs> oh, it was a joke. It was yeah, it well, was it was locker room said. talk. That's what he said. So uh, outraged, <laughs> the hospital staff made copies, and actually sent one to Pedro Albizo Campos. And as outrage grew, Cornelius Rhodes said that he was quote just joking, and oh, that he God. had written the letter while he was drunk one night. Oh, uh, yeah, all that Bacardi so went he, straight to his dome. he actually felt everything he fucking said. Then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? This is no I excuse. get less racist when I'm drunk. <laughs> and I'm already not racist, so I become anti-racist when I'm drunk. You should just be drunk all the time then, Tyler. Uh, I should be. He suddenly didn't feel well, and he fled back to mainland United States. Of course he did. Yeah, he was never charged for the eight admitted murders that he committed that that's ones that he himself admitted to oh in this letter yeah. and 13 that were confirmed murders which he was never tried for and the many more that are unconfirmed 
that that he must have had some something to do with something to do with their deaths as well what a fucking monster he, he was, was a monster giving people cancer transplanting cancer mm-hmm. in people on purpose on purpose let's not forget this in fact though his crimes were covered up by the rockefeller foundation and no. the sloan institute to guard their interests. Now, the Sloan Institute is the Alfred P. Sloan Institute. You may have heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the main financiers for a lot of other podcasts as well, the, the Sloan Institute. Ferris Bueller's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dr. Cornelius Rhodes was even celebrated in the United States as a crusader who was combating cancer and the effects of nerve gases, never mentioning his vile, human experiments and inhuman treatments of Puerto Rico. Jesus. He's Mangala, man. He's a Mangala. He, he yep. experimented if Mangala, on human beings. It, the problem is, like, Mangala's stuff was fucking total... Like, if he left that letter out, people would be like, good job, Mangala. Right. Under his circumstances. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. No, it... it uh, he, he's no better. Yeah, no, he all of his... All of this shit with like cancer that he did, like his cancer research and stuff that he did, they're celebrating the, the they're they're celebrating basically him giving cancer to people so and disgusting. testing the effects of nerve gases on people. It, it's literally weaponizing cancer. Yeah. Seriously, at this yeah. point, yeah. It, yeah. it's just horrible. So Obizu, wow. understandably outraged at the actions of Dr. Cornelius Rhodes, he sent copies of the letter to anyone who would listen. He sent he sent them to the League of Nations, to the Pan-American Union, to the Vatican, to the ACLU, to newspapers and embassies. Uh, along with the copies uh, of the letter, he included some other stuff of, of his own writings. Quote, evidently, submissive people coming under the North American empire, under the shadow of its flag, are taken ill and die. The facts confirm absolutely a system of extermination. The Rockefeller Foundation has in fact been working out a plan to exterminate our people by inoculating patients unfortunate enough to go to them with a virus of incurable diseases such as cancer." End quote. But enough Jesus. about Wendy's. Um, no, it's not <laughs> Wendy's. It's this guy. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. I'm yeah. Sorry. Trying to keep it light. I know, I know, I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is tough to keep light. An investigation was conducted of more than 250 cases treated during the period of Rhodes' work at the Presbyterian Hospital by the Rockefeller Foundation, which concluded that Rhodes somehow carried out his work appropriately. They were like, oh, no, we've conducted an investigation. We, we found that, ah, nothing, nothing here is wrong. So it sounds either, a lot like, the, like our current administration well, right now. Well, that sounds obviously, like, there's nothing wrong. To me, Nothing either. has changed in America. He, he was still doing some shady shit, and they swept it under the rug, or he wasn't doing shady shit because they were white people. Yeah. No, that's, so, that's probably more accurate. Either way... Yeah. He still did that shit in Puerto Rico. The guy is a war criminal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. 
there's there's it's 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 a room full of greasy palms, the greasiest yeah. palms. Oh. Yeah. With the most, they can't even pick anything up. Their palms are greased so much. <laughs> they can pick up money. They can pick up money oh, with those greasy ass palms. It sticks to, it sticks to money, but yeah. everything else, yes. they have to pay people with that money to pour drinks in their mouth. Yeah, feed them grapes with their yeah. greasy fucking hands. Peeled grapes. Yeah, <laughs> I eat the peels because it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Now the American Association for Cancer Research had even established the Cornelius P. Rhodes Memorial Award in 1979 mm-hmm. as a prize. For who gave the most cancer to people? Well, in the, in the field of cancer research. Jesus. So if you're like a cancer researcher that had done well in your field, you would get, some of them, the Cornelius P. Rhodes Memorial Award. Well, he, he did just, he, he was the one who found out that if you deliberately transplant cancer into people, it gives them cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not exactly. You know, so don't do mind. that. You know? Yeah. He's he like, don't do out. what I do. I yeah. dropped this cancer into their open wounds and then sewed it shut. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> now, much later, in 2002, it was yeah. concluded, although people had died as a, as a direct result from Dr. Cornelius Rhodes quote-unquote treatments and uh, unethical human experimentation that no wrongdoing had taken place. What? However... Fuck! Yeah, however, at the very least, stripped his name from the award. So at least there's that. (laughs) No, I... I, uh... I remember when this happened. Like, that... Yeah, you would have lived there there yeah, I was living there at the time, and I do remember that this was a, a big, a, a big thing. And yeah. unfortunately, everyone on on the base, like people that I went to school with, uh, even even unfortunately Puerto Ricans uh, whose parents were in the military, and that's why they were on on the base and stuff like that. Their mentality was, well, it happened a long time ago, and nothing nothing bad happened. Not so that why? Long ago. When Not they changed the name of the ago. award, did they change it to uh, the Washington Cancer Award? <laughs> I fucking, well, they the figure arg- out a new name for it. The yeah. argument that, oh, that happened a long time ago, is the yeah. dumbest shit I have ever heard. Like, it doesn't... It, it, that like, was two generations ago. That was not that, that long ago. are still creating a system that we live in today, and you just go, ah, it happened a while ago. Who cares? No. Let's just... Forget no. about it. There's there's no, a bullshit. seventy year old Puerto Rican, and that happened to their parents. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's it's completely. When fucked I'm old, up, we man. should just like, forget about nine eleven because it will be a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, I already forgot. But what's nine eleven? But they said to never forget, Zach. <laughs> never forget. You could yeah. forget all everything else. Just don't forget nine eleven. Yeah, I have nine eleven written on the back of my hand, so I never forget. I, but uh, I don't remember what not what it meant. Nine eleven, like yeah. a.m. Uh, or p.m. I, <laughs> I not I I don't know. But you know what, guys? This wasn't the only medical procedure designed to control the Puerto Rican population. There's another one that was actually bigger and probably more far-reaching than what Cornelius Rhodes ever could have imagined. It was sterilization. Which was forced sterilization no. in most cases. Yes. 
Some women went to the hospital to have a child and came out never being able to have another. Oh my god. And this, they had no idea, had no idea. Um, This is something that happened to them. They didn't really know what was happening. Some did go willingly, mind you, uh, in effort to take control of their own destiny. Kind of a, a, you know, I mean, birth control was outlawed, except for this... Well, well, except except for this uh, uh, sterilization, uh, all other forms of of birth control, of course, were looked down upon. So there were there were some Puerto Rican women that did go for voluntary uh, sterilization, but but those were few and far between. Most so the, of them, they were the minority. Most yeah, people were most involuntarily f- sterilized. Yes, yes. Jesus, yes. it just keeps getting worse, Jerry. It gets worse. It gets worse. Now, Puerto Rican women were used uh, for the testing of new birth control methods. Uh, IUDs, they were tested on, and birth control pills with a potency ten times as high as the birth control pills on the market today. Because it, 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 it was used so, like, to, just again, max it out and see what happens. Yeah, sterilize them. And, and it, it was a testing ground for prescription drugs in the way of birth control. Do you think that we'd have uh, birth control pills as we have them today if it wasn't for this? No, no. Uh, the, the proving ground of, of the birth control pill was I also here. think this has a lot to do with uh, uh, the fact that it's they're trying to sterilize women and not men. Yes, yes, you know? 100%. That's why we yeah, don't have a male birth control. Well, well, it's, this it, is part well, of that, that reason. Well, for the longest time... Uh, Birth control was never looked on as a male problem, only as a female problem. So that's, of course, why why this happened. Yeah. Thank God things have changed. Yeah, nothing's <laughs> changed. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, Jesus. Uh, so between 1930 and 1970, approximately one-third of Puerto Rico's female population of childbearing age underwent, quote, the operation unquote, which is the highest forced sterilization program in the world. Jerry, I did not know about this. Yeah, yeah, no, not a lot of people do. This is Uh, America. This is American history. After witnessing what was happening in Puerto Rico, several doctors resigned, calling Puerto Rico the world's largest medical lab, where the entirety of Puerto Rican population was its test subject. Jesus fucking Christ. And on that note, we're going to do a, a little palate cleanser about uh, <laughs> Thank baby you, Zach. Thank you, Zach. Uh, so, uh, one uh, one of my, my, my favorite tra- traumatic uh, experiences uh, living in Puerto Rico was uh, when I first went to, uh, to San Juan, which is the capital of Puerto yeah, Rico. Yeah. And... Uh, San Juan is really cool, and it's div- uh, it's divided into San Juan and Old San Juan. And Old San Juan uh, yeah. has like the big forts and oh, like we're gonna talk about really those forts, cool, brother. really Ooh. cool uh, like architecture and shit like that. Yeah. Super super badass, really cool. Especially when you're a little kid, you have like yeah, like you get to go run around and pretend that you're fucking uh, 
one of the three musketeers or whatever, right? Uh, Ooh, one French. of the things, yeah, right. But anyway, well, I, I mean, that's that's what I did. Theory. I because I saw castle type walls. I'm like, I am a three musketeer. Boom, whatever. Like I didn't fucking know about you know French. And as a luck. as a little boy, I I also um, idolized Alexander Dumas and his honor bridged works. So. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm glad somebody else is on the same page as me. I was more inspired. What was really cool, though, in Old San Juan was that there's this one square where uh, it's pretty famous for, you know, like, feeding feeding birds. Like, just, like, get a bunch of breadcrumbs and, you know, do, do your thing. Uh, and you see, like, large flocks of birds, and it's great. Um, well, so I'm there with my family and my little sister, and uh, my sister decides to be a big piece of shit, and... Uh, throw all these breadcrumbs at me so that I start getting attacked by flocks of uh, birds. Uh, and of course, I don't know what to do because I'm literally carrying a giant bag of like breadcrumbs and shit like uh. that. So they're, they're pecking at me so that I would drop the thing, but I didn't want to drop the bag of breadcrumbs. And yeah, it was... Uh, uh, it was avian warfare yeah. committed by my little sister. And uh, just, and you started naming birds, all really the birds... Based off of what you were into at the time, so you were just like D'Artagnan, D'Artagnan two, D'Artagnan three, <laughs> Portos, Portos one, Portos three. I'm not There's sure. No Portos There's no Portos two. Are these yeah. all characters from Three Musketeers? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. Talk about yes. Spider-Man. I don't fucking know. You fucking I went, <laughs> I went through a really, really big Three Musketeers phase, and you I were actually, 500 I, years. People are gonna view Spider-Man like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're, they're gonna view like Marvel comics in the way they do like like the classics. No, there's gonna, gonna be, there's gonna be that shit historian who's like, it, it wasn't really Potter. fine art. Yeah. It was it was the uh, it was the pop culture at the time. Yeah, spoke yeah, for that's the what man. Does get remembered. The, yeah, there you exactly. go. Exactly. Like, spoke for so the working man. Shakespeare is the Taylor Swift of his time. <laughs> uh, you're probably not far off, Chris. Honestly. He, he was very popular. Ever said very popular. He, he was the original Kevin Feige, creating the original uh, cinematic universe. Because <laughs> a lot of a lot of those Shakespeare stories, <laughs> yeah, they Already also existed. took ideas from other yeah. things, just like Marvel did. Uh, anyway. But yes, I, I thought you guys would uh, like that uh, little. Uh, I, I loved it. Jerry, tell us more about the people of Puerto Rico politics. getting fucked over constantly. So after Jose Maldonado Roman died of throat cancer that was transplanted there by Dr. Cornelius Rhodes, because he did go to that Presbyterian hospital, a barber that worked at his Salon Bariqua, he bought the place. He became sole owner of the place. His name was Vidal Santiago Diaz. And this guy is one of our main badasses of the story. We're not, we're, we're going to catch up with him in the next episode, but... Vidal Santiago Diaz, a humble barber, is one of the just most insane badasses of the story. You'll see why. Good with a blade. No, dude. You'll <laughs> see. You'll see, man. It's a bit this of a guy's switch, a fucking know? badass. A fucking badass. You'll see. So the barbershop had always been a fervent supporter of the independence movement, and now it became more involved. Even Albizo Campos, he got his haircut there, as well as many other prominent independence leaders, as well as the rank-and-file new cadets of the Republic, and the Macheteros, the people that cut the sugar cane for a living. All you had to do 
was if, if you went to the Salon Bariqua, you presented a machete. That was your proof of being a machetero, the person who cut the sugar cane, and you would get a free haircut. That's cool there. shit. It is yep. really fucking Fucking cool. badass. Yeah. I cut for free, you cut for free. I, I have a machete. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, Basically. Oh. Basically. May as well have been. I was just going to say, I have a machete. It was gifted me to be by a man <laughs> who uh, sympathized with that my ex-girlfriend uh, ended up with my old machete, and he gave yeah. me a machete that he got in Costa Rica that had, he claimed had pig's blood on it, and I have that to, to this day. Oh, that may be true. The United States took no real interest in the nationalists or their cause for independence. Like, they didn't really take it seriously at all. That is until 1934, when Albizo organized an island-wide agricultural strike of sugarcane workers, the Macheteros. Each day, on average, a sugarcane worker would cut and load 50,000 pounds of sugarcane mm. in a day in uh, 50 to 60-hour work weeks and paid the starvation wage of 12 and a half cents per day. So what you're telling me is that the worker is not controlling the means of production? No, yes, exactly. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Jesus. Uh, it's, and it's called the Amazon method now. Yeah, not, not, not <laughs> able to afford anything. The trick and, is right. to convince people that people who are on unemployment are actually the bad guys and not the person who's paying your slave wages. Yes, exactly. Is it bad that I can't help but think of how callous their hands must be? Oh god, must have been just bricks. Like their hands yeah. must have just been. Could you imagine jerking them off? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm trying to be sympathetic know, to their plight, I Jerry. I know, I know. You know jerking off with, with with a hand like the thing. <laughs> oh god. That's you Marvel reference for you with, guys. With 50 or 60 hours uh, in in a work week, yeah, that's a lot of time. So what they wanted, what, what, what their demands were, was to double their wage of 12 and a half cents. That, that was their demands. They just wanted double that. They just wanted a quarter. That's all they wanted. A quarter a day. A quarter a day. I mean, to, call, to call someone who cares. What are they? <laughs> yeah. They refused so hard that when Albizo Campos led this strike demanding this kind of money... During the Great Depression, no less, Abizo Campos was declared a, quote, threat to national security. Oh, and that's yeah. when you know you're a cool guy. Yeah, cool guy alert. Yeah, now, that's the coolest thing to be declared. <laughs> yeah. Now, considering the United States was making a fuck ton of money off of Puerto Rico at this time, it was its biggest cash cow. And it couldn't have anyone fucking with that. You know what I mean? Like, this is during the Depression. They need that cash. We found a loophole where there's a... They're technically American citizens, but we don't have to give them any rights whatsoever. Yeah. And we're making a lot of money off of them. Yeah, so we can't have anything going on. <laughs> we can't do that to white people. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there are slavering uh, workers. Workers, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. May as well have been slaves. So as a consequence, Abizo Campos uh, 
he would get death threats, even a botched assassination attempt. Uh, and F FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover ordered <laughs> a 24-hour surveillance of Albizo Campos. Yeah, and he ordered that in a full ball gown. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sequin gown. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing against that. That's fine. He should have. He should have owned that a little bit more. That's my favorite thing about him. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, it's uh, the only thing I like about him. Yeah. Uh, same. Honestly. Same. So in the early '30s, a string of American-appointed governors controlled Puerto Rico, who in turn appointed American or Puerto Ricans loyal to the Americans to top government positions, including Theodore Roosevelt Jr. He served as a governor of Puerto Rico as well. T.O.J.R.? I'm sure he turned things around. T.R. Jr. T.R. Jr. Was a, he was a massive piece of shit. But, <laughs> of yeah. course he was. <laughs> uh, so was Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. Concerted efforts were made to infiltrate universities and any institution that would breed independistas and convert them to an American-centric liberal cause. And on October 20th, 1935, in a political meeting which the Nationalist Party held via radio, Albizu Campos called the university deans and the liberal party, that he called them traitors saying they, they wanted to convert the University of Puerto Rico into an American propaganda institution, which I happen to agree with, according yeah, to what sounds about right. text. Yeah, fuck yeah. those liberals. On October 24th, four days later, 1935, a student assembly held at the university declared, they, they declared Albizu Campos as their leader, their persona non grata. Their, their, their total leader. And people started getting nervous, so they requested the governor, who was a FDR-appointed person, his name was Blanton Winship, who was an absolute villain of this story, to provide armed police officers on university grounds in case the situation turned violent. I mean, with a name like that, it doesn't surprise yeah, me Blanton that he fucking sucked the... Yeah, sounds yeah. like yeah. a villain. He's, he was a military man. I feel like he sounds like the bad guy from Pocahontas. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, 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 went, he, he went to the rich kid camp from across the lake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, certainly. Now the police chief, appointed by Winship, Army Colonel Elisha Francis Riggs uh, of the uh, Riggs banking. Family. Reagan the system. Oh. He was put in charge of of the situation. He's gonna do a good job. Yeah. Uh. Together, Winship and Riggs had milita militarized the insular police force. This is what they were called. Remember how we talked about like the securitate, mm -hmm. like like the, the 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 local government controlled the uh, police force. You know, the, a police yeah. force. The federally controlled secret complete, secret police. Yeah. I'm glad we don't have those now. Yeah, glad that doesn't yeah. exist yep. anymore, huh? Oh, yeah. They're coming to Seattle, you know it. They're, they're already, already here. here, brother. Did they arrest people? They didn't. Uh, dude, they didn't they're downtown right now, as we speak, uh, as we record this right episode. Now? You're not right, going to hear yes. about it. Now, right now. 
but this one basically, I mean, you could take Securitate in Romania and you could rename it Insular Police, and that's Puerto Rico. Yeah. So when Same I say Insular thing. Police Force, that's what I mean. I mean okay. a police force like this. Uh, they were they were sent out to deal with the rising tide of Puerto Rican nationalism and growing support for independence. Now, two police officers spotted a quote suspicious-looking vehicle, end was quote. It, that never dri- happens. Driven by a black man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I meant that uh, as a joke to make fun of the system, but, uh, yeah. But, no. Out. Nothing's That's changed. Real. Nothing's they asked, changed. Yeah, they, they asked the driver, his name is Ramon Espigon, and his friend, Pedro Es... Uh, Zach, you may need to help me with this one. Pedro Quinones. Quinones, that's what I figured. Quinones. Pedro yeah. Quinones, uh, they asked him for identification. And of course, you know, if, if you're not being pulled over for anything, you you need to know why you're being pulled over for something. You, you need to... Fuck, you, you need to see my ID, motherfucker. Yeah, you need... You need uh, there needs to be some sort of crime taking place in order for you to show your ID. So, of course, a struggle ensued, and the police killed... Both men. Killed them. Both men. I'm, I'm glad that that's changed yeah. in our current society. The, yeah. The local newspaper, El Mundo, reported on October 25th that the day before, observers heard an explosion followed by gunfire. Uh, uh, a man named Eduardo Rodriguez Vega and Jose Santiago Barea? Barea? Yeah, you got it. Okay. Barea. 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 Uh, were also killed that day. An eyewitness, Isolino Rondon. <laughs> yeah, you, you got yeah, it. Yeah, Isolino Rondon. Yeah, she got it. Norwegian for the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she testified that she saw the police officers shooting at the victims and heard one police officer screaming, quote, not to let them escape alive. End quote. But her testimony was ignored. And the charge and, and no charges were ever filed against these police officers that murdered these four people for no reason. This still fucking happens. Yeah, uh, this is uh, ha- uh, this has become uh, to be called the Rio Piedras massacre. I, I'm no Piedras. I'm, Piedras. Uh, Piedras. Rio Piedras is where Susie's mom was born. Uh, no shit. Susie, yeah, uh, she. She's been to Rio Piedras uh, several times. Thank God she hasn't been massacred. Yeah, it, it, yeah, but it left four people dead and no one was Oh, ever, it's right outside of San Juan. Yeah, no one was ever charged. It's almost like uh, how uh, the people who murdered uh, Breonna Taylor have never been charged. Yes, exactly. You know, weird. The cops are just doing their job, Chris. Jeez. <laughs> Murdering people. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're there to do. Now, Police Chief E. Francis Riggs was reviled, of course, and blamed for the massacre. Of course. I revile him. Yeah. And on February 23rd, 1936, this is months afterwards, Puerto Rican nationalist Hiram Rosado, is that Hiram? Yeah, that's okay. definitely Hiram. And Elias Bouchon. Bouchon. Well, yes, we got a French right, guy, right. we got a Jewish Bouchon. guy in there, they're shaking things uh, up. So these, these two men, they retaliated, and they shot and killed Colonel Riggs 
and San Juan. Murdered oh. him over over what boom, over boom, what he was responsible for. Oh no, they killed Riggs. Yeah, oh, which is yeah. it was his last day on the force. <laughs> <laughs> he was gonna retire. Now both a millionaire. Men, yeah. Now both men they were executed at the police headquarters without a trial or anything like that. There was no trial. They were just led to a wall where they were unceremoniously shot. Now, Blanton Winship, he was enraged by this assassination of Colonel Riggs, and he ordered all Puerto Ricans suspect, uh, suspected of being a nationalist rounded up and arrested and tried oh, for sedition. Yeah, Antifa. Yep. Antifa. Ran, round him up. On April 3rd, 1936, Pedro Albizu Campos was also arrested and tried with sedition and with, quote, trying to overthrow the American government, <laughs> end quote. <sighs> he was sentenced to 11 years in federal prison in Atlanta. Hot and on Atlanta? that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one more little Zach story because that's a, that's a hard hard pill to swallow. I, I need um, I need a Zach story, guy. To end, to end this episode, give us a Zach story. You guys all all know like Puerto Rico is literally made up of uh, three islands, right? It's not just one giant yes, island. Yes, there's three islands, yes. right? So uh, there's uh, there's Puerto Rico, which is the big island. Then there's uh, uh, Culebra and Vieques. Yeah. But did you did you know off off to the side that's still part of Puerto Rico is called La Isla del Mono, mm. which is essentially Monkey Island, and it's not accessible to people. <laughs> Monkey, Island? For, Monkey Island. Monkey <laughs> Island. Yeah, and, and it's it's not accessible to people unless you are a scientist going to study monkeys, which I always thought was really cool, and I've always wanted to go over there. Never did. I didn't know there was uh, however, a real Monkey Island. I there played is those a real games since I was a kid. There is a real Monkey Island. Yes, uh, they're not in balls though, unfortunately. Or no, I'm thinking of um, uh, Monkey uh, Ball. I'm talking about Guybrush Threepwood. Yes, 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 yes. I'm, talking I'm about just thinking about that Monkey Mountain I went to in Japan. It's right outside I, of Kyoto. It's chock full of monkeys. They're crawling around. You can feed them bananas and whatnot. Yeah, no, it's great. So, unfortunately, uh, of course, I was never able to go to the Monkey Island, but I did get to go to Culebra and. My God, if you guys want to see like the most like crystal clear, beautiful water in like the entire world, and with, like, I do. beautiful coral coral reefs and shit like that, like that was the first time that I saw a grouper fish while snorkeling, and those motherfuckers are huge. <laughs> yeah. Snorkeling? I've never been snorkeling. Hell yet, dude. I've man, never been like, fishing. <laughs> really? <laughs> what? Oh my God! All right, so like. Even my There's... gay dad took me fishing. <laughs> <laughs> my gay dad didn't take me fishing. <laughs> and he's not even gay. <laughs> you need a gayer dad, dude. You need a gayer dad. But yes, uh, yeah, snorkeling in Puerto Rico. Uh, I am. I'm so happy that I got to do that uh, as a kid. Because I mean, there was fuck all for us to do. Because we were pretty poor. Yeah. Uh, so what do you do when you're pretty poor? You go out and do outdoorsy shit, like on the weekends, and because every day is pretty much summer. Talk about humidity. Like I know you guys are talking about New York's humidity and oh, shit like that. Oh, I know. It's got to be way worse there. Dude, uh, sweating like a fucking 
preset of preschool. I've been to the it, Carolinas. It's fucking horrible. They are way worse than New York. Yeah. You know, I can see that. Yeah. The South. Yeah. Walking through soup. Uh, so actually, but yeah, uh, go ahead. Keep yeah, going, do, Zach. Sorry. Do yourself a favor. Uh, if, if you ever get a chance to go to Puerto Rico, go over to Culebra. Or, uh, like, I haven't done it, but my cousins have. Go to Laquillo, or not Laquillo, uh, Laquillo Beach is like a big surf place. But go to Vieques, which is where they used to have the old bombing range, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's oh, that's talk, a long story for, for, oh, no, for a different thing. Oh, no, we're going to talk about that in the next episode. <laughs> okay, cool, because I, I was also there during the, the riots, and I will go into detail oh, later cool. on with that. Yeah. But, uh, so Vieques has, like, a fucking awesome-ass, like, bioluminescent lagoon that oh, I've wow. always wanted to go to. Wow. Really? And I'm I'm so jealous that my cousins have, or actually my wife's cousins, uh, has gone to and, like, experienced the bioluminescent Your wife's over been there. down there? No, uh, her, cousins her cousins have. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I miss her. Uh, so there's that. I, I just, uh, I wanted to close this episode by reading uh, a few quotes. Um, this, this first one... Uh, was from a writer in 1929 before all this all this shit went down uh, before the massacre he said quote Puerto Rico has become a land of beggars and millionaires of flattening statistics and distressing realities more and more it becomes a factory worked by peons fought over by lawyers bossed by absent industrialists and clerked by politicians it's now Uncle Sam's second lar- largest sweatshop. Jeez. End quote. Jeez. And I want to do... like America rise. turned up to 11. Yeah. yeah. I want to do one more. I want to do one more. So four days after uh, the massacre, the Rio Pedro's massacre that we, that we talked about, Blanton Winship, he declared in a press conference, this is a press conference that he himself called, he told several islands newspapers these these words that if political agitation continued he was ready to wage quote war to the death against all puerto ricans end quote <sighs> oh wow so fun at parties fuck that guy yeah so that's that, that's where the name of the book came from that, that, that we're using uh, for wow. this. And again, a, a lot of what we are going to say in these two episodes, there will be people that disagree with what I'm, what I'm saying. But again, all of my research and everything that I found, it, it does not negate any of the, any of the bad stuff. Like when, like people will try to diminish these things, but the fact is, is they, they still happened and they still exist, and a lot of these things still continue on mm-hmm. to this day. So you can well, you can disagree with me all all all, all you want. Uh, that's fine. It's I, our podcast. We can say what yeah, we want. Yeah, we are not Make objective here at, at, at History Boys. <laughs> we are not objective. I I don't know how you could read this and not. Again, be mad, but also uh, not side with the people being such subjugated by by our own government. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is this is American history here. I, I don't understand how you could possibly side otherwise. That that's my own feeling, though. That's my own feeling. And we agree yeah, with you. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um. 
if there's not anything else, I I just um, I know everybody's saying it, but uh, since we recorded the last one, John Lewis passed away. Yes. Um, there's a loss. American loss. fucking hero, and the world is better because of him. He yes. He he was a wonderful fucking person, and honestly, uh, I've been hearing this thing about changing the uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge to mm-hmm. the John Lewis Bridge, and I, think that's I support it 100 fucking percent. I think it's Definitely. I think tradition's bullshit. We should be able to do whatever the fuck we want. Well, we always and have so changed there's... names of things, and now suddenly yeah. we're like... We had no so... problems changing the names of, of, of mountains and Native American landmarks to, yeah. to Mount McKinley, and, like, things named after, after our heroes. So I don't understand what is the big deal by changing it to... A, a more inclusive hero. Well, fuck it. John Lewis is one of my heroes. He yeah. Fucking yeah. Yeah. We've changed names better of bigger of things like, before, so it doesn't fucking. You know, of course, you know, change the name. Yeah. That's all I had to say about that. I just. So, what do we have to look forward to next week, Jerry? <laughs> <sighs> well, next more week. More darkness. Well, next week we have armed uprising. We have prison sentences we have the conclusion of what happens to Salam Bariqua the, the barbershop which is one of the most intense stories I think I've ever heard this is on like Castle Itter level like bizarre crazy battle that is just absolutely insane mm-hmm. uh, so we have that we have again Puerto Rican test subjects by the American government that uh, only came to light uh, fairly recently, as, as far as history goes. We have inhumane treatment of prisoners. We have all sorts of stuff coming for you. Again, not a lot good happens from the story, but the reason why we're telling you it is because it's not taught in schools because it makes sh- America look bad. But you should happened. know it. You should know it. Everyone should know it. And don't worry, guys. Uh, I will also have uh, more Puerto Rican stories. Like, yeah. uh, uh, for example, uh, the first time I went boogie boarding. There you go. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, be, being uh, also a, a good story about being a, a, a Mexican in Puerto Rico watching the the Tito Trinidad versus Fernando Vargas uh, ah. fight on pay-per-view. Um, oh, we also have Pancho Villa coming back. Oh, we got Pancho Villa coming back in this him. one. I yeah, miss him got, so much. Yeah, we got him coming back in this one. A Hollywood the celebrity one. Pancho Villa coming back again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm not. It's the Just... thing I like most about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thanks so much for uh, tuning in, listening to us. I'm Tyler Armentrout. <laughs> I am a introspective uh, master of the third eye, uh, and also <laughs> yeah. Tyler Armentrout, history boy. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Chris Whedon. Um, not introspective at all. I don't really worry about what's going on in the old brain. But it's surface uh, level. Yeah, very surface level. I I don't really bring much to the table outside of uh, making funny jokes. Uh, but I am a history boy. And I am Zach. Quote uh, nearly drowning mech. Uh, also history boy. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, it's okay. I'm actually a sw uh, strong swimmer, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm I'm just drowning in my depression and uh, and alcohol. Oh, everyone is. You're not special. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, can I just say, AKA D'Artagnan? <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, Zach, you, you have the support of everyone around you, so don't be so depressed. We, we, we all support everything you do. Everything we all do. And the same goes for all of our listeners. We support all of you. We love all of you. Thank you for listening so much. My name is Jerry Nash. I am a history boy. Again, Thank you for listening. Join us for part two. Part two is going, I'm sorry to tell you, it's gonna get worse, folks. It's gonna get worse. Yes, fuck. I'm mad as hell from this one. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, follow us on all the social medias. We're talking Instagram. We're talking Twitter. At History Boys Podcast. We're, uh, also, if you want to hit us up, our email address is historyboys.com podcast at gmail.com especially if you have any suggestions for future stories we always love seeing those we read every single one of them and we do put them in the pipeline believe it or not it takes us a while to get to them but we do put them in the in, in the pipeline we do start re researching them and uh, we always love doing listener stories so thank you very yeah. much yep and uh, remember guys like we do have a Patreon account, That's but we right. don't have anything up. Yeah. If you want to just, like, throw us a fucking buck or two, whatever, so that Jerry can quit his job <laughs> and we can do this full time. Give us some be sick fucking dick. money for free. The and we, yeah. we are kicking around ideas for cool shit to give to you oh, for yeah. that. So nope. stay tuned for that. The yeah. conversations are being had, and we got some really, really good ideas. Good stuff in the pipeline. Yeah, we're not we're at patreon.com slash historyboyspodcast. Yeah, and, and we're not going to pressure you to, to to give us any money. That That's only on your own cord. Until we actually have content to give you. Yeah, you know, we have content. I'm just going to keep I'm going to keep bringing it up at, at the end of every no, episode. No, that's a good though, idea. No, no, it's, have... it's, it's good, honestly. But but uh, <laughs> I just want people to know, like, if we have you content can do it on there of... and you're still not paying, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> you can do it out of the goodness of your own heart for now. You don't have. We're to. gonna have we're gonna have more for you in the future. I promise you. All right, love you. Bye.